Hello, and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about the things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Gessner. And I'm K.W. Taylor. This week, we're talking about the AMC series Kevin Can F Himself, the sitcom Happy Endings, which recently came to Netflix, and the Amazon Prime series The Wilds. So lots of television today. Yeah, it's an all-TV episode. So you just recently watched this series that I find uh, it's got a very interesting concept. Mm-hmm. It's got a very interesting title. We will have to keep censoring the title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny how they censor it in the title card every time, too. Oh, okay. They do it in different ways. But yeah, this show is called Kevin Can Bleep Himself. Um <laughs> It's created by Valerie Armstrong, and it stars Annie Murphy of Schitt's Creek fame in a very, very different role. (laughs) (laughs) She stars as Allison McRoberts. Eric Peterson is her husband, Kevin McRoberts. And it also stars Mary Hollis in Bowdoin as Patty O'Connor, their neighbor. And another one of their neighbors is Neil O'Connor, who's played by Alex Bonifer. So they're siblings, and they come over a lot. Basically, it is a deconstruction of the sitcom genre. So it's very, very interesting. I'm probably not going to talk about this in an intelligent way, so I'm sorry. I probably missed a lot of nuances. But (laughs) what I can say is that it is very strange, and it's very jarring at times, but... I started watching this because my friend Erin really liked it and she wanted someone to talk to about it. And I was like, yeah, cool. I'll check it out. And I, it's eight episodes. I finished it in like two or three days, I think three days, because I was just like, what's going to happen? And it's very stressful at times, (laughs) which (laughs) I'll, I'll get to in a bit. But it's about Allison, who, when she's around Kevin and when they're in their house and, and everything, Everything is like a sitcom. The lighting is very bright. Kevin and Neil come up with a lot of very dumb schemes. And also Brian Howe is Kevin's dad, Pete. So he's often involved in that. And Patty is usually there and sometimes involved as well because of her brother. And there's a laugh track. Everything is very, I don't want to say generically sitcom-ish, but it's what you would expect from a sitcom, right? Mm-hmm. And then as soon as Kevin leaves the room, the lighting goes dark. Not entirely dark, but it all the saturation comes out of it. And it's a very abrupt change. Allison's life becomes a drama. So it's really interesting in that respect, because in the sitcom scenes, she is, you know, playing the happy, if sort of disgruntled wife Mm-hmm. of this goofy character and then when he leaves the room you kind of get the behind the scenes and find out that he's not so great he might be goofy but he's goofy in like a manipulative way sort of and she's not very happy so it's it's very just different it's different from anything i've i've really seen in the first episode it is this is a black comedy so it gets a little bit dark but in the first episode, it sets all of this up, and Allison really wants to move to a new house, and she even has like a brochure, and she stops at the real estate office, and they talk about it. 
she is like, okay, we have been saving for 10 years. We have enough for the down payment. Like, let's let's move. And she tries to convince him to move. And he goes through some schemes and stuff. And ultimately, they're throwing their anniversary party. And at the party, he announces that they are not moving. So he announces that with without even talking to her. Then when she goes outside, because she's very upset, everything is dark. And Patty comes and has a little chat with her and reveals that Kevin has lost all of their savings or most of their savings. So it becomes, and Aaron has told me that I have to read you this text exchange that we had. <laughs> so, so I, I texted her and I was like, um, he blew through their savings. I would quite simply murder him. LOL. <laughs> and then all she said was, well, <laughs> because, and then I was like, OMG, does she kill him? And then like two minutes later, you, that's sort of the inciting incident. And the whole series becomes about her trying to escape this marriage. And she's fixated on murdering him, basically. So it's very, very dark. Mm-hmm. They get into some really, not uncomfortable, really dangerous situations, actually, in all of their schemes of trying to go through with this plan. Over the course of a few episodes, she ends up involving Patty in a lot of this. And what I really, really enjoyed about this was the relationship between Allison and Patty, because at the beginning, they're not really friends. They don't really like each other. But throughout the eight episodes, they come to realize that they're like more similar than they thought they were. And there's a connection there. And Patty does get involved in this scheme of Allison's to try to kill Kevin. So some very bad and not great things result from that. And they're sort of just tangled up together. Mm -hmm. But it is really interesting to see them grow closer and realize that like, all of the men in our lives don't really care about us. They're manipulative, and they just want us around uh, you know, to cook and, and do all that stuff. So they really come to rely on each other. And that's really interesting to see. I don't really know how much else I want to say about it because I don't want to give a lot away, but it is very different. It's if you want something dark that also is intelligent and takes a stab at deconstructing the sitcom, I think this might, oh. I think it would really interest you actually. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Yeah. I saw part of the first episode because the premiere was temporarily free on YouTube and I didn't finish it by the time they pulled it back off. So I've got to, <laughs> yeah. I know it's on AMC and AMC plus. Yeah. Um, and I love Annie Murphy. She's fabulous. And very good. it seems like it's deliberately spoofing specifically Kevin James sitcoms, King of Queens and Kevin Can Wait, and also maybe other things that are similar, like, oh, gosh, uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, mm-hmm. you know, anything where there's like the the couple where you're like, why is this really pretty woman with this kind of mean guy? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there was another show with Jim Belushi, according to Jim. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, any sitcom on CBS, basically, <laughs> from the past 20 years. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, very cool. Yeah, you always wonder, like, why? 
I remember reading an article about everybody loves Raymond and the and the fact that like they hate each other. Why is Deborah still there? Right. Like she's not happy. It's real clear. Yes, <laughs> there's yeah. just contempt there. And that's really interesting because at the beginning I was kind of like, why does she have so much resentment for Kevin? Like he seems he seems dumb, but he seems like pretty nice. But as the series goes on and you realize some of the stuff that he's he's done, he is not very good to her. So you you come to see things from her perspective, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And it's set in Worcester, Massachusetts, so everyone has a Northeastern accent. (laughs) (laughs) And it's very interesting to hear, especially after Annie Murphy played Alexis on Schitt's Creek, and she had that sort of uh, (laughs) really ditzy voice. Yeah. It's very, very different. So it's fun, yeah. Yeah, she's Canadian in real life, and I feel like on Schitt's Creek, they made her sound like a valley girl or something, mm-hmm. like a California girl, and then that's a very different sort of character than yes. on this show. Very cool. Yeah. But you have been watching an actual sitcom, right? Yes. But this is, yeah, this is much, let me, let's shift gears <laughs> temporarily to something happier. Yeah, this this show is called Happy Endings, and It was on ABC from 2011 to 2013 for three seasons, and it kind of had a little bit of a cult following. Like, it was always a show that critics really, really liked a lot, but it didn't quite get as popular as things that were kind of similar. Like, it's very similar to New Girl and even has an actor in common, but unlike New Girl, it just didn't didn't get the audience, and so it got canceled in 2013. Okay. But I want to say that it's not like the the quote unquote CBS style sitcoms that that Kevin is spoofing. It's much more. It's a single camera. There's no laugh track or audience. It's much more like like a very funny film in terms of how it's shot and produced. So okay. So I would say it's it's a better style of sitcom, at least in my opinion. <laughs> and it recently came to Netflix, so my husband and I binged it pretty quickly. We'd seen it all before, but it's been a long time since we'd watched it, and so it was really nice to revisit. But it's basically about this group of six friends, which is how a lot of shows <laughs> sort of are <Yeah>. constituted. <laughs> but it's got the slight difference in that the first episode and the derivation of the title is that the very beginning of the series starts with two of the characters are about to get married, Alex Kirkovich, played by Elisha Cuthbert, and... Dave Rose, not to be confused with Dave Rose, David Rose from Schitt's Creek, <laughs> played by Zachary Knighton. And they're about to get married, and Alex leaves him at the altar. Oh, boy. And they were childhood sweethearts. And this messes up their friend group because they all hang out together. And it's just this really awkward thing where they sort of, even after this, and she like goes off with another guy to... She spends the honeymoon with another guy. Oh, boy. <laughs> so it's kind of like major betrayal. And Dave is very embarrassed and crushed. And it's a big, you know, just thing that the thing that messes up the dynamic between this group of six friends. Mm-hmm. But they do manage very quickly to kind of decide we're going to be friends. We're not going to let this bad thing that happened define our friendship because we've known each other too long and it's it's not useful to just throw all that history away. And they just realized that they were sort of better as friends and that the reason that their relationship, their romantic relationship didn't work was that they just got too comfortable with each other and it wasn't like there was some big fight or anything. Yeah. But the rest of the friend group is 
Alex's sister, Jane, played by Eliza Coupe. And she is a very type A sort of Monica Geller sort of person. She loves to laminate things. She's very, very aggressive at work. <laughs> She's just very high strung. And I, I relate to her just a little too much. <laughs> and she's very, very funny. And she's married to Brad Williams, played by Damon Wayans Jr. And he is not as uptight as Jane, but he really likes that she's really uptight. And <laughs> okay. being in an interracial couple, they make sort of, not totally tasteless, but sort of cutesy, strange jokes about that. Okay. There's there's the idea that Jane is just really into black guys. <laughs> and it's kind of, it's played for, I don't know. It's not meant to be like controversial, I guess yeah. I want to say. Okay. It's meant to be very sweet. But they do also go to places where there is the idea that Brad feels a little alienated because he's always hanging out with all these white people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes he does encounter some discriminatory comments from Jane's family. And he does try to push back on, at that. And so it's this show is extremely lighthearted, but very occasionally they, they will have some sort of real moments. And um, I think they handle that pretty well. And I mentioned Alex is the woman who left the guy at the altar. Mm -hmm. She is very sort of ditzy, but not dumb. She's just kind of naive. And she runs a little dress shop and is, is a little bit impulsive, a little bit, a little bit of an ingenue. And she also, there's a running gag where she really likes to eat ribs and <laughs> will order them at a moment's notice and, and kind of makes a mess of it. And it's just kind of funny. I don't know. <laughs> and then Dave, her ex-fiance, is sort of painted as like the leading man of the show but he also is kind of like a tragic hipster like any sort of hipstery thing he kind of gets glommed onto like they make fun of him for wearing v-neck shirts all the time <laughs> he's very into like dave matthews band type music and okay. just kind of is a very like 90s he's sort of stuck in the hippie zone of the 90s and he thinks he's very very cool but no one else thinks he's very cool so <laughs> And then Max is his occasional roommate, and he's played by Adam Polly. And Max is gay, but he acts like a straight guy. Like, he calls himself a straight guy who likes guys. <laughs> okay. So he's very stereotypically bro-y. He's a real big sports fan. He's a big slob. He's just kind of a mess. He's perpetually unemployed, but he's gay. And he has a bunch of really strange jobs, like he buys a limousine and, like, pre-Uber, he's sort of running an illegal taxi cab service with this limo. And he's just kind of a disaster. And then he actually had met Brad because the two of them were on a season of The Real World that never aired. <laughs> so okay. That's kind of another very 90s thing. Yeah. These people all came of age in the 90s. So it's they're sort of stuck in that zone. But I guess that's why I sort of relate to it a little bit. <laughs> and then the final person is Penny Hearts, played by Casey Wilson. And she's very successful in work, but very unsuccessful in love. And she actually used to date Max before he came out. So <laughs> that's sort of indicative of how she chooses men. But she's very optimistic all the time and sort of just keeps thinking that it's all going to come together. And she keeps talking about every every season, she'll say, this is going to be the year of Penny. And it never, it never is, sadly. Aww. But they all just like one of the things I really like about the show is they all just get along with each other so well. Mm -hmm. And another running thing with the season with the series is that every single season finale ends with everyone dancing at a wedding together. Aww. And it's almost like they all always knew this could be our last season. So they, 
<laughs> they have to end it with something really joyful and sweet and cute. And yeah, even when they have disagreements with each other, they're resolved very well. Some of the things they do when they just hang out, it's just comforting. They like to go out to eat like a lot. And I don't know, there's just something about watching people have fake dinners and brunches and stuff together. It's just very soothing. And it's just very cleverly written. It's very fast paced. Like it rivals Gilmore Girls in terms of the the fast clip of the scripts. They're just very well written. And, you know, the the trope that the show begins with, the guy left at the altar, they really quickly resolve that. And it's just kind of an inciting incident that just sort of gets the ball rolling to introduce these characters. But yeah, they they have tried to revive it a few times and it's not really gone past like the web episode stage of things. Okay. They did do a pandemic reunion episode. Aww. There also is another show called Marry Me, which only lasted one season that's set in the same universe oh. um, and includes some side characters that were on Happy Endings, but it didn't really go anywhere, sadly. I haven't watched that, but I think I might. This was created by David Caspi, who is one of the showrunners with Jonathan Groff and others. And I just think they're very clever. But yeah, I really hope that it actually kind of becomes a, a second run hit on Netflix because it's a very quick watch. Like I think we really finished it in like maybe two months and only watching it like once or twice a day. It's so heartwarming. And again, just very, very quick witted, just crazy situations happen. Great guest stars. Megan Mullally plays Penny's mom. Rob Cordray plays um, Jane's boss. Michael McKeon plays Dave's dad. Mark Paul Gosseler randomly shows up as Max's roommate. Okay. Just like, oh, and Jane and Alex's parents are veteran character actors, Christopher McDonald and Julie Haggerty. <laughs> and then Damon Wayans Sr. plays Brad's dad, and that's his dad in real life. So, and Damon Wayans Jr. was also on New Girl. So that's the connection between the two shows. But they are very tonally similar, but I do think New Girl is less frenetic which may be why it was more accessible okay. to people. So if you want something that's a little bit high strung, but heartwarming, very cute, kind of broad, there's a little bit of physical comedy. And it's set in Chicago. So there's a lot of random Chicago, like homages throughout, which I think is just kind of cute. Mm -hmm. I like it when a series is not set in stereotypical New York City or LA, like those are fine, but it's kind of neat to have one set in another city and just kind of lean into it with a lot of things about the Cubs and stuff. And so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's really cute. I think you actually would like it. It's very cute. Well, one thing I will say is that people should probably watch it soon because it is a little bit topical sometimes. And so I'm not sure how well it's going to age for very long. Okay. So watch it now because at this point, the season one is 10 years old. So yeah. maybe get on it before it gets a little more stale. <laughs> It's good to know. Yeah, it does sound yeah. like something I would like. Yeah, it's super cute. I'll give it a shot. Thank you. Cool. You're welcome. I'm glad you have been enjoying rewatching that. Yeah, it's a nice comfort binge for sure. But something that was not comforting at all <laughs> <laughs> was a yes. show we both watched. Yes. And this was insane. <laughs> totally insane. So why don't you yeah. tell us a little bit about this show? Okay, yeah, we, well, I started watching The Wilds, which came out on Amazon Prime in 2020, right at the end of 2020, and kind of like Kevin can F himself, I found myself wanting to watch episode after episode just so I could 
figure out what the heck was going on because it is about a group of eight teenage girls who are going on like this Hawaiian retreat and their plane crashes, stranding them on a deserted island. And it is about how they survive and how all of the characters clash and come together in different ways. But the conceit is that you know from the beginning that they've been rescued because it starts out with a girl named Leah, played by Sarah Pigeon, talking to a few psychologists or something about what happened on the island. So it jumps back and forth in time, and each episode centers on a girl and her background. So I thought that structure was very interesting. And then one of the big reveals at the end of the first episode is that this was not an accident. There is a person named Gretchen, played by Rachel Griffith, who is wonderful and very, very creepy (laughs) (laughs) behind all this. And she has stranded them there on purpose. She's watching them. There are cameras in the trees and things like the Hunger Games. Because it's all a social experiment, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that really kept me watching. Because I was like, what the heck is happening? Who is this woman? <laughs> Why does she have them on her island? And all of that stuff. But do you want to tell us a little bit more about the characters? Sure, yeah. So I will say, too, it's it's very... I think I was a little resistant to it at first because I thought, oh, well, this just looks like Lord of the Flies with girls or... <laughs> lost. I'm not sure what they could do that's new. But yeah, that reveal at the end of episode one, it's like, what? This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the main girls, Fatten Jadmani, played by Sophia Ali. She is a like influencer, but also she's a like prodigy cellist, which I don't think she is very, like, I don't think she appreciates that gift because she's feel, she's felt pressured by her parents to really use it. And so she's very conflicted about what she wants to do with her life. And her parents send her on this trip because they think she's gotten out of control and wild and stuff. And they want to like get her calmed down before they send her to like boarding school or something. And then there's Dot Campbell played by Shannon Berry, who's from Texas. And she's got some wilderness skills and stuff. So she's very helpful in keeping everybody fed and safe and doing like tracking and trying to, you know, find ways that they can survive on this island. I really liked her. I thought she was, mm-hmm. I, I like Fatten too, but she's not as relatable. Yeah. But I thought Dot was very like level-headed and funny and she was a calming influence. Yes. And then there's Martha Blackburn played by Jenna Klaus. She is from an Ojibwe reservation in Minnesota. She's very sweet and upbeat and a little bit fragile. Mm-hmm. And we sort of find out later, like why there, there's some of that fragility. I was constantly worried about her. Yes. Because she kept having kind of physical problems from the minute they get on the island. And it was just like really stressful and like, oh, they need to take better care of her. And, stuff. <laughs> and then there's Rachel Reed played by Rain Edwards. And she's from New York. And she's a competitive diver who's had a lot of problems with her diving career and what it's doing to her body and and just a lot of stress with that. And in her focus episode, there's a big reveal that they 
uh, I can't say more. It was like <laughs> shocking. I messaged you about it and you were like, wait, what? And yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was very stressful. I was like, oh no. Oh my gosh. I really liked her. I thought she was, I related to her very driven nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she was, she was pretty cool. And then Shelby Goodkind, played by Mia Healy, is a beauty pageant queen from Texas. She and one of the things about this trip is that all the girls were there with someone else from their own school. Mm-hmm. So Shelby and Dot were actually from the same school, but they didn't know each other. And so there were like these pairs where you were supposed to have this built-in person from your hometown. And so seeing them develop as friends and get to know each other better was kind of cool. Yes. But she's extremely conservative and an evangelical Christian. And there's she has some issues with the other girls because of that. But she also, like Dot, has a little bit more survival skills because she's gone hunting before. And so between the two of them, they're able to kind of keep people from dying, even though it's that's not always easy to do. Yeah. And then there's Nora Reed, played by Helena Howard, and she is Rachel's fraternal twin sister. And unlike Rachel, she's much more intellectual, a little bit socially awkward, a little bit more sensitive. And the two of them have a very like strained relationship due to a variety of factors that are slowly revealed. They love each other, they protect each other, but they also, it's, they're very different. Mm -hmm. They're very different. And I think that's been a struggle for them their whole lives. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's Tony Shalafo played by Arana James, and she is Martha's best friend, and she's openly gay, and that causes some friction with Shelby. And she's had kind of a lot of struggles with being in foster care and being abused and had incidents of hate crimes against her and stuff. So it's tough. And yet she's able to kind of be really, she's another one who's pretty optimistic in certain ways and kind of level-headed and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then there's Leah Rilke, who is not (laughs) level-headed. She's played by the aforementioned Sarah Pigeon. (laughs) She's, She's the one who's from Fatten School and they don't, they didn't really know each other until this. At first, I liked her and was like really relating to her. Right, yeah. But she had just come from this very strange relationship back home that that's informed her behavior to the point where she has gotten very, like she's less interested in getting off the island for physical safety purposes than she is about getting back to this guy she was seeing. Mm-hmm. And when they have an opportunity to communicate with the outside world, she uses it to call him. And that was really frustrating. And yeah. A bad idea. Yes. And she becomes increasingly paranoid over the season, somewhat within reason and Mm -hmm. somewhat to her detriment. So it's kind of hard to watch her just kind of spiral. Yes. When she seemed very relatable in the first episode. I agree. And then, as you mentioned, there's Gretchen Klein, played by Rachel Griffiths, who is the, the head of this program of doing this social experiment on these poor girls. Mm-hmm. And the, oh, I forgot that there's also Jeanette. And she is one of the survivors who actually dies of her injuries as they reach the island. So that was extremely sad. That was very sad. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's sort of hard to get an entry point into because there's a lot. There's a lot there. I do very much agree about Leah. The first episode, you're kind of like, wow, she, like, I get it. She's very relatable. And then she slowly sort of, you find out more about her and she slowly sort of goes off the deep end. And it's very, 
as an audience member, you know that some of her paranoid thoughts are actually correct, but some of them are not. So it gets, it's really tough to watch. A lot of this is actually kind of tough to watch because there's a lot of interpersonal conflict. Well, I'll mention that there's a lot of, there's a lot of physical peril that they're in quite frequently with their food supply, the quality of their food supply, injuries needing attention. And even though they're being monitored and there are forces that manipulate the situation just to keep them physically as safe as possible, obviously one of them did die, so it's not perfect. And I was so frustrated by by Gretchen's character because I was constantly questioning, like, <laughs> since I know how this works, like, where is her funding coming from? Did yeah. she go through an institutional review board? Like, exactly. this would never be okay. This is a completely illegal, unethical experiment. I had that same thought. I was like, this would not pass an IRB. (laughs) No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. And there are hints that she's working outside of the support of a university that she's been disgraced in some way and Mm -hmm. and removed from her position. Very sketchy stuff about her background. Yes. So it makes you question her a lot. Yeah. Yes. But I love her as an actress. I've seen her in a lot of other stuff. The first time I remember seeing her was in Muriel's Wedding back in 1984. And a lot of the actresses are actually Australian or New Zealander. Some of them are American or Canadian, but the fact that they were as good at their accents as they are, even with a few little inconsistencies here and there, I was still very impressed. Yeah, I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, it's really like if you don't drill down into which ones are actually American, it's it's actually pretty seamless. And the island itself is very beautiful. So there's a lot of like good weather shots, which I always like, <laughs> but it's still very inhospitable as an environment, and you wouldn't want to, you know, be there for very long. No. But there's moments where every character is able to provide something that the group needs and work collaboratively, even when they're having trouble getting along interpersonally, like much better than some adults would, I felt like, well, when things get dire, they are there for each other. Yes. And they push all that interpersonal stuff aside and get real and just focus on caregiving and support. And that was, I really liked that element of it. I agree. One of my favorite episodes was, I think it's episode four. And there's some conflict about Dot thinks they have to build a more permanent shelter because who knows when they're going to get rescued. And a few of the other girls are like, no, they're, they have to know where we are and like that our plane went down. So we don't need to do anything long term because we're going to get rescued in the next couple of days. So what happens is, and at times, different things, because of the the ocean currents, they wash up onto shore. So a package of Taki chips wa- washes up, <laughs> and they don't have a ton of food. So they organize a shelter building competition between two teams. Yeah. And some people are more into it than others. But I just thought it was a really good example of them, you know, coming together and working out their issues, even if, you know, even if they don't always agree or like each other, their number one priority is survival. So I I just thought that was a really cool episode. Yeah. And there's some reveals over the course of the series about these, they're being interviewed by these two men in the present day, who are presumably either agents or psychologists or both. And they seem to be interviewing them and keeping them in this bunker. 
and not letting them even interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And those guys' stories are sort of interesting. And there's, it's kind of, I don't know, every character has secrets. And it's just yes, peeling back those layers is really fascinating. And then I will say, without spoiling anything, that the end of the season ends on a total cliffhanger and not everything from season one is resolved Mm -hmm. or explained and it is going to set up introducing a lot more characters next season and there's kind of a final reveal that is shocking and i'm really it's already been renewed for season two they've already cast it Mm -hmm. i'm really excited for it um and it's going to be pretty crazy so yeah i don't know when it comes out but i'm hoping it's soon because (laughs) <laughs> oh man, there are a lot of questions that were unanswered. Yeah. And one of the things I do want to mention, you said that everyone has secrets. That is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Can't remember exactly how far into the show it is, but at one point you you know from Gretchen that they have someone on the inside. Yes. And it kind of becomes like, oh, who is it? And like, I can't believe they agreed to this. Like, what... What do they know? How much do they know? What do they know? And mm-hmm. that's sort of fun to try to figure out which one of them it is. Yeah. So this is essentially the mole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's Survivor meets the mole. And I I figured out who that was pretty quickly. But oh, um, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I was it was it was not for sure. And mm-hmm. it just based on you know, some clues and information and the way they would talk about it. But that was really, yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Got through it pretty quickly in just a couple weeks and appreciate the recommendation. You're welcome. Yeah, I think I was kind of like, you have to watch this. It's yeah, (laughs) (laughs) And you were not wrong. Yeah. So next week, we're going to keep talking about kind of some creepy things with the TV show (laughs) Sacred Lies, the movie A Quiet Place 2. And then we're also going to talk about writing productivity. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And me at Carrie Gester. And you can find us together on Twitter at PausePopPodcast. If you want to email us, you can do that at PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. And you can find us on our website at PositivelyPopCulture.com. And please, if you're enjoying our podcast, rate us and review us on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pause Pop.